Well, I want to welcome everyone today to our very first podcast called The Buzz Spin. I'm Kelly Petrillo. I'm your co-host. And sitting next to me is my better half. I don't know if I'm the better half, but I'm a half. And my name is Dustin Petrillo. And right next to me to my left is uh, a brother from another mother. My name is Ezekiel James Hampton. And we're so excited to have Zeke on for our very first guest. Uh, he's a wine lover, connoisseur, and music extraordinaire. And we're really excited to just sit down and talk about all three things. And uh, why don't you give us a little bio, Zeke? Uh, sure. Um, well, thanks for having me, For you know, first off. Um, but uh, born and raised in Vacaville. Um, I've lived out in the Napa, Sonoma area for, I don't know, since 2011. Uh, been in the wine industry since 2008. Um, worked in various aspects of it. Um, really kind of discovered it as I turned 21 and started going wine tasting with my dad and, uh, working in restaurants, um, and you know, restaurants where the wine was more a part of, um, you know, part of like having to, to know it on the job. Um, and then a lifelong musician. Uh, I'm definitely a big music lover, big film lover. Um, sort of kind of immersed in, in that world as, since as long as I can remember. And I, I just have a question for you. Uh, did you ever have two buck chuck with me at the house? There's a day? good chance. I would yes. say there's a good chance that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that we may have had that experience when you were like 21-ish. That, so yeah. if you guys don't all know that... Dustin and Zeke know each other, and they go way back because Dustin actually babysat Zeke at one time. I mean, one time, <laughs> but he loves to he loves to bring, bring that, that up. up. I don't I don't Zeke's know if I babysat Zeke because Zeke was a man child at that point. Uh, he was a very energetic uh, 13, 14 year old. Thirteen, I don't know, somewhere around there. He was really into wrestling um, and uh, would like to show off his moves with his little brother Jed, who's not here with us tonight. And uh, another uh, good friend of ours, uh, Dan, who is also not here tonight. And so we, there was a whole episode of wrestling that took place during a pizza party. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Dan got dominated. Well, you know, I'm an, I, uh, I am a, a real man. So it's, uh, you know, I just ooze machismo. Um, I probably, you know what it was? I think I was so skinny, and so I was just so wiry. And yeah. It, it's hard to, to hold me down. You are like, slap, snap into Slim Jim. What? <laughs> well, nah. it's funny that we bring this up because, Zeke, you have something fun happening with your music recently. Do you want to kind of talk to us a little bit about uh, your macho man? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so I do have, um, I've been, I've mostly been in, like, the rock world of music in terms of, like, just kind of growing up and you know, being in, in, you know, local bands and into, like, the local music scene. Um, but I'm venturing out for the first time with my, like, a debut hip-hop project where I'm solely the producer, I'm just responsible for the music, um, but I'm getting a chance to work with um, legendary MCs, uh, people that I've been a fan, you know, a fan of for over 20 years. Um, and uh, we did, I did recently get um, the uh, Macho Man's brother, uh, the genius leaping Lanny Poffo uh, on board. So, you know, more kind of like doing a little bit of an interlude, but a lot of this is very surreal to me because it's like, it's, it's all, I'm just starting out. I don't have any kind of name or reputation established uh, in this, in hip hop. Um, 
But I always, but I'm, I, I, when I set my mind to something and I know I can do something, then I, it's like there's n- nothing or no one that can kind of shake me off of that. So it makes me probably kind of an annoying person and, and an annoying partner, I'm sure, in many ways. But, um, you know, it's, it's exciting for me. It's, it's honestly the thing that I think about every day because I don't want to take for granted the opportunity that I have in getting to work with, you know, people of such high caliber. Well, don't tease us. What's the name of this uh, musical sensation that you have going on? Well, I try to, since I work in so many different genres, uh, I try to kind of keep them a little bit separate. But uh, I'm going I'm to go into the name Rad Brown, which is an offshoot of my longtime ambient project that I do, which is Radagast the Brown. It's a, <laughs> it's a, a project that, uh, that sort of funnels all, like, I would say, anything that kind of would qualify as avant-garde or left-field uh, or unconventional, um, and it's I'm really into. I mean, if I could pick one kind of music that inspire me, uh, inspires me most, it's ambient music. It's it's a it's a Tolkien reference, as in J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm a huge fan of like the books and the movies, um, and um, it wasn't until the Hobbit movie came out and they unfortunately brought up that character that kind of ruined my Google analytics. Um, but it's it's a it's a minor character in the Lord of the uh, Rings mythology. He was a he was a wizard, a genius wizard. Um, that was very underrated, I would say. I would say he's underrated, but he also, you know, depending on the interpretation of, of all the Tolkien nerds out there, you know, there's been some suggestions that he never really fulfilled his tasks and that he was so caught up in, in the world of the animals and and uh, uh, that he, you know, he, he forgot his tasks that he was assigned to do. Because like Gandalf, he was supposed to be there sort of as an agent to uh, help you know, be a guide to the uh, the men and the elves of Middle Earth, and uh, Zeke's got a couple of other projects. Uh, why don't you talk about them? Skylight Motion Picture is one of them, and then let's. We really right now we're drinking uh, one of his wines, Errant Sons. Do you have a song called Errant Sons? I do. It is a, you know it is a, there's a Skylight Motion Picture song called Errant Son, and uh, contextually it is a little bit different from with the. The, the meaning behind the brand for the wine versus the song. So it doesn't um, taste like the wine? Uh, it sounds like the taste of the wine. Yes. I can hear it in my ear. The lower the reverberation, that means it's going to be a good wine if, you, if it gets really low. Well, doesn't Metallica do that with a bourbon now, supposedly? Uh, I don't know, really. Yeah, I, heard, I heard that. <laughs> I don't know. And this is Just what we're drinking is a 2018 Petite Syrah from Sassoon Valley. Yeah, Petite Syrah from Sassoon Valley. We made 50 cases. Um, we only have, um, I think, like three or four cases left. We're, like, we're getting ready to switch over to the 2019 um, but, uh, my partner, Adrian Guerrero is the winemaker, uh, oversees kind of like the, the winemaking operations. Um, but we both agreed that we believe that Petit Syrah could be done a little bit differently than what we often get from this part of, um, this part of California where, uh, they tend to be, you know, a little bit more new French oak, um, and a lot more extraction. So you kind of get these big fruit bombs and uh, they get jammy and uh, uh, we wanted to make a version that was more refreshing, more elegant, but still varietally correct. 
Um, so we find this to be like a, a, a still a fruit forward wine, um, but that's got some floral notes, um, and uh, uh, it's a little bit more refreshing and easy drinking than you know one might expect from a petite sirah from this part of the world. Yeah, and you know Sassoon Valley they claim to be the uh, the petite sirah capital of the world right now. Um, there's a lot of great petite sirahs coming out of that valley right now. Um, Camus just opened up shop there and they're pushing, they're pushing it big there. And I, you know, they're trying to get, they're trying to get Sassoon Valley on the map. That comment yeah. was followed suit right after. Yeah, but Sassoon Valley yeah. is one of the earliest AVAs in uh, California. Wow. Yeah. So kind of, kind of a fun little, fun little fact there. It's crazy because yeah. growing up here, like close by, I mean, I grew up in a dry household. It wasn't until years later that my family kind of got into wine, but like, I would never have expected. I, I never went to Napa, so I wouldn't. I didn't know anything about the Napa Valley or its history, or um, you know how important it was, and you know in terms of its place in the world, and in terms of wine. And, and for all for everybody out there, uh, AVA uh, is an American viticultural area designated by the soil type. There you go. And what else, Seek? Not just soil types, but you're also looking at uh, temperature, elevation. Um, I don't know which direction we're facing the sun because that's going to be a big part of, you know, um, you, you know what time of day we're hitting the sun is going to depend on how much heat that you're getting. Um, you're starting to see a lot of these young winemakers, too, pivoting and um, starting new ways of um, planting. And um, the new Monarch tractor just was released, and everyone's really excited about that. So I, I think this younger generation really has a good finger on the pulse of uh, making the earth, you know. Let's kind of backtrack for a second and talk about uh, Kelly's background in the wine industry um, as she's explaining these things. So, Kelly, kind of give the uh, give our audience, you know, what who you are in the wine industry and what you do. Yeah, I haven't been in the wine industry for very long, six years. I came from the restaurant industry and uh, actually got my teaching degree initially, but, you know, full circle these days, I'm teaching wine. Um, and during COVID, I got my global executive MBA in wine business management through Sonoma State. Um, so yeah, I'm well versed in all aspects uh, of everything and uh, just dabbling in the W set now recently, always wanting to learn and, and grow. Um, so I'm, I'm always interested to find new facts and uh, that's the fun thing about wine is I learn something new every day, even though I'm constantly educating myself and networking and talking to other wine individuals. Uh, I don't know a lot and everyone else knows more and I just always want to seek that information. So, um, it's a great industry. I love it. It is a great industry. And Zeke, uh, give, give our, give our audience a little bit of background on you as far as the wine industry goes. Yeah, I, um, I actually started out in Placer County uh, working for a couple of win uh, wineries in the Auburn area just in the tasting room um, before moving to Oregon. And uh, I moved up to Oregon to, to, to join a family band, but when we weren't playing music, we, uh, I mean, I was working for 
Um, I worked for a wine bar. I worked for a brewery. I worked for um, a, a really good French restaurant that also had a wine shop uh, attached to it. And I would say at that time, that's where I really, you know, I was kind of working that uh, slower afternoon shift and, and right when all the reps would be coming in. So I worked with some really cool people who basically allowed me to join in on the tastings. And I learned so much wine just from, from being there, especially wines outside of California. Um, and so eventually when I moved back to California, I knew I wanted to get back into Napa Valley and Sonoma at some point, um, which, uh, which I did, uh, had a brief stop at a wine shop in the Sacramento area, um, which was mostly like high in Napa Sonoma wines. So that just kind of fueled the fire for me to get it out there even quicker. Um, so I've worked in the marketing aspect, the marketing side of the industry and the wine club side, um, and, uh, the tasting room side and sales where I'm, uh, where I'm at currently. Nice. And uh, a little bit about Dustin. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I like wine and I like beer. And, uh, you know, I, I transitioned. I was in automotive for uh, automotive repair for uh, 20 something years, 20 years, 22 years, somewhere around there. Uh, small family owned uh, business and uh, was trying to transition out of that. And I had a passion for wine and beer. And was able to move into uh, both industries simultaneously uh, during COVID, actually, which is a whole other story. Uh, but uh, I was working for a small brewery here in Winters, California, uh, pouring beers. And also uh, was able to latch on with a wine tour company in Napa. And I'm a wine tour curator. I deal with about about five to 600 wineries in Napa and Sonoma. And so I've really gotten a network uh, with a lot of wineries, small wineries, big wineries, you name it. Probably talk to them at some point. Uh, and I really enjoy, you know, just the the whole aspect of the wine industry and and also, you know, just being able to make those uh, re- those relationships in the industry and, and and there's so much history in it and understanding everything about, uh, you know, the industry in general and the different... You know, Napa and Sonoma are two different animals. Uh, I mean, Napa is a, it, it, you know, it's a small valley. It's, you know, top to bottom, less than 30 miles. Uh, the widest points, five miles across. And people think Napa Valley is this huge area. It's not. It's a very small area. It's one of the most rarest, uh, you know, I, not rarest. That's probably not the proper word there. But one of the most uh, unique wine and uh, regions in the world because of you know it's tawar and everything that's included with you know every we have over 30 plus different soils in the valley uh the varietals there obviously cabernet is king uh but there's some other unique varietals you find in the valley and you know in depending on where you're at uh, uh south to north going from carneros all the way to Cal- uh, calistoga and so i really enjoy that aspect of it but then you get over into sonoma and sonoma is that is not a small area over there. We get people that think it is. Um, and I get a lot of guests think that, you know, Sonoma's, you know, Carneros to Healdsburg is like, you know, 10 minutes. And it's definitely not that. Um, so trying to explain that, uh, how big Sonoma is and how many different AVAs are in Sonoma. And it, it's just a widespread area. And, you know, Russian River is one of my favorite regions. Alexander Valley. Uh you know, even going down into Carneros and just being able to see the different varietals that are grown in each region and 
understanding, uh, you know, those varietals and how uh, the impact they have on the industry and, and not so much on the industry, but, you know, on, uh, you know, those those regions and, you know, the, in the wines that are being grown there and the history. And there's a ton of history in Sonoma. Sonoma actually has the oldest uh, uh, family owned winery in all of California. Uh, and most people don't know that. Gunlock Bunchu. They're the uh, most. They're the most oldest continuously owned winery in California, dating back to 1861. Z, uh, tell us a little about a little bit about Aaron Sons. I know we kind of like briefly talked about it, but let's. Go and can to, you talk about the name first? Because I'm very curious. I don't know anything about nothing. It's Top Forty Kelly over here that loves Selena Gomez and Haley <laughs> Bieber and. I'm not well versed in anything other than that. I know I'm married to her. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, you know, Aaron, Aaron's sons. The idea was that my my uh, partner and I, we did not. Um, this is we're sort of the first in our generation to try to carve out our own business. Um, and I'm uh, sorry, in our family lineage, I should say. Uh, we neither of us come from that background, and we work in an industry where it is you know it is common for uh, you know family wineries to pass on down to the next generation. Um, and, you know, especially comparing it out to, you know, out in Europe and, you know, those old world places mm-hmm. where it's like, it's, it's much more expected even than out here. Right. Uh, but we're carving our own path and we're, not, we're doing, you know, we're going down a road that is not necessarily a path that our, our parents would have chosen, uh, or even expected. So I thought of the idea of like, you know, we, you know, we are, we are straight, we are kind of determined to, um, you know, sort of wield our own destiny in that sense. And, um, and you know, we're going to learn along the way because we don't, we didn't have anybody before us to kind of teach us or guide us. It's, it's kind of like we're, we're winging it ultimately. That's really cool. Yeah, thank that. you. Thank you. And you're wearing the shirt right now. And <laughs> I want one of these shirts because it's amazing. It's like themed on 80s. You know what? Well, it's, or it's, what? We're, my partner, we're both born in 1983. Uh, and we, we definitely love a lot of, uh, Things eighties. We're all we're very into nostalgic, uh, and nostalgic culture. Um, and and I know for me, being like I'm a, I kind of brought more. Where my winemaker has you know a lot more functional use, uh, <laughs> you know, to making the wine. Where for me, I'm just I, I'm very passionate about um, uh, the things that come from our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I do have a uh, an interesting relationship with nostalgia. Uh, I I love it and I appreciate it. Uh, you know, and I, and I question whether I, um, sometimes too, you know, uh, focused on it. Does it, you know, it probably distorts my, my lens and my viewpoint of things. Um, but I'm also a keyboard player. I love keyboard sounds. I love this whole like synth wave movement that's been happening in music. vintage and what, what your thoughts are across the board with wine because for yeah. me I have a huge thought on it and it's one of my favorite oh I can't hear, hear your thoughts too yeah <laughs> for me 2018 uh I just from what I've tried at least around the Napa Valley uh is that there it reminds me a lot of the 12s and the 13s and honestly mm-hmm. I think because of things like climate change since 2012 we haven't had that much variance 
uh, from vintages, uh, you know, since then, because we're just, we're hotter and drier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in some ways, like, that makes our wines, I think, a lot more accessible and ready to, ready to drink. Uh, for, uh, like, for me, what I've discovered is the 18s, they're ready to drink young. I mean, I'm sure many of them, depending on, you know, where they're coming from and who's making them, are, are going to depend on, like, what the optimal time to drink it is. Uh, but I would say 18s, what I found more... Maybe since I've been having more 19s now and I've had 17s, if, if I were to try, and this is just very generally speaking, 17, 18, 19, my assumption is going to be that the 18 is most ready to drink now yeah. versus the 17 or 19. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's my favorite right now. Besides 2016, Vintage is another favorite, 13 as I well. I like 13s. Yeah, um, 13s. When we, we just had a 13 the other night and it was off the charts. Cap Franc from White Rock White was Rock, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. 13. Yeah. yeah. It was off the charts. We've had some pretty good 13 Merlot that's been excellent uh, through COVID that got us through. <laughs> that's what I need. I need more. I don't have that much Merlot, but I need more Merlot. Merlot, yeah. 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 Uh, it's one of my favorite varietals, actually, and I kind of forget about it. It's always Cab or Cab Franc, or mm-hmm. I'm a big Pinot Noir drinker from Russian River. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love Merlot. Yeah. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, we're... We're in Christmas time now. So, Zeke, I want to ask you a question. What is your favorite 80s Christmas movie? Oh, gosh. Okay. Because I know you're a movie buff, so I, I, want, to, I want to hear this. Okay, so it's going to be one that is uh, shared by many. So mm. I'm not always contrarian. But a favorite 80s Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. great one. Legit. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. There's actually, so in our town, if you guys are, are not listening from Vacaville... Um, Vacaville actually has two blocks that are decorated for Christmas. One is called Candy Cane Lane. The other is called Lollipop Lane. And one of the houses is a Christmas vacation. Oh, totally did it. Home. Oh, wow. It's- uh, my favorite Christmas movie is Gremlins. Oh, that is a good one. That's that a good one. And, yeah. you know, I mean, because I feel like it's not Christmas until you have Gremlins caroling on your porch. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sequences us into uh, my next conversation with you, Skylight Motion Picture. Oh, yeah, we haven't really even We haven't even talked about this, but this plays into that passion right now. Oh, totally. So totally. let's talk about Skylight Motion Picture and that project. Yeah, it is. Um, so it started out as a, as a full band, um, and uh, my uh, main um, songwriting partner when it first started was Lamar Engel, uh, who's also in the wine industry. Um, and also like a very much like a big brother type of figure to me. Um, but we, uh, we were into a lot of the same music, a lot of it, it sounds kind of funny, but because we were so well versed into, um, uh, the Christian music scene of the eighties and nineties, a lot of that, uh, uh, cont- um, Christian contemporary music. PC talk. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were, we're talking that whole area and, and there's a lot, there's some deep cuts. There's some like deep cuts. That uh, I feel like maybe outside of my siblings, he might like he he we know about. Michael, what was it? What was the other one? What's your favorite? Uh, oh, Michael W. Smith. Yeah, yeah Michael W. Yeah, Smith. Michael what? Smith. But, like all that stuff for me as a kid, like that shaped those 
you know, so for me, before finding out, like, how badass, like, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin were, I was <laughs> like, I knew about how badass Michael W. Smith and Steve Taylor and DeGarmo and Key, <laughs> like, some of these names that were, they, they probably don't mean a lot to... Amy Grant? Yeah, oh, man, her or Christmas like, album's still oh, one yeah. of the best, man. I love Amy Grant. Tennessee Christmas, come on. Um, <laughs> excuse me, but it's still a thing that has a... Uh, it's one of those things where maybe why I get so romantic about those those early memories is because it still has an effect on me today. I'm yeah. obviously not the same person I was as a you know five year old kid in the eighties, uh, but I I never want to lose my sense of identity. You're I a guess. little taller. It's a, yeah. yeah. I wish I was a little bit taller. <laughs> wish I was. <wasn't> <laughs> but but I, I'm you. feeling that that's a there psychologically for me that's probably. How, why I'm so into a lot of music and that stuff that shaped me early on is because like I, I don't ever want to forget those things that did shape me and they're the things why you know even if it had like a, a large domino effect it's it's responsible for the music I listen to it's responsible for um, the, a lot of the music that influences me inspires me and that in many ways even if it's subconsciously I try to emulate um, and so I, I clearly, I got a ton of secular influences as well, but like, I cannot, I cannot try to pretend that part of my life doesn't exist, uh, or those, those early memories that impacted me were, and made me so passionate as a young kid. I can't pretend that doesn't exist. So rather I probably go maybe too, maybe too far in the opposite can be argued, uh, too far in the opposite way where I embrace that so much. And I, I try to hold on to that as long as I can. And so everything from, the music, the movies, the relationships, uh, especially in a day in social media. Like I find a way to try to keep in touch with people maybe I haven't seen in over 30 years. And I, you know, I, I don't ever want to lose that because that in many ways is kind of like how I think, how, what I see my identity And, and I, I'm going to say right now that you, seriously, you are one of the most artistic people I've ever met in my life. I, I watch the things that you put out there on social media. I listen to your music and I'm just like, damn. Well, on that note, we do have to wrap up, and I want to thank everyone uh, for listening, and our special guest, Ezekiel Hampton. For being our very first uh, guest on our podcast. And it's Aaron Sons. Uh, actually, throw out all your tags, man. Sure. Thank you. And by the way, I'm very honored that you guys would have me be on for, for your first one. Um, yes. For wine, very small, limited uh, boutique production, Petite Syrah uh, from Sassoon Valley, Aaron Sons. Um, you can find us on like Instagram at uh, Aaron underscore Sons underscore wine. Um, also Scali Motion Picture, which basically it's a synth pop type of project similar to like, if you like the Postal Service or like bands like Churches, the 1975, it's kind of got a similar vein to that. Um, Skylight Motion Picture, Ambient Music, Radagast the Brown, uh, and then Hip Hop, which, uh, is sort of young, it's burgeoning, um, but it is going to be the most... Uh, epic debut album for the entire for the genre to ever come out from the Bay Area because of all the different um, features from rappers that uh, in fact I always tell folks if you if you saw the Eminem uh, acceptance uh, speech um, that he had for for being in the Hall of Fame he lists all of his influences all the people that taught him he considers his teachers 
three of them will be featured on the album. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's, awesome. Yes. Yeah. that's called Red. That's going to be under radbrown.beats. You heard it here. Thank you guys for listening, and stay tuned for our next podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.